Hi, everybody. Well, here we are, day 40. You've done it. Congratulations. I hope you've enjoyed the Lord's presence as you reflected on the events of Good Friday yesterday and uh, hopefully continue to invite him to lead you uh, to a greater appreciation of everything that Jesus has accomplished for us and uh, to live in that reality. Today, um, we read about the day in between, um, the day when the world likely felt as though it was standing still. I imagine that Holy Saturday to be a silent day. And yet, um, as we'll read today, there were very interesting things that were still happening and that God was still doing. Um, today we're going to read John chapter 19, verses 31 to 42. But let me pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for uh, this great story of yours and the, um, this high point in the journey, this high point in the story, the, the apex of the story. Um, centered around everything that Jesus uh, did on his way to the cross and on the cross. We ask that you would help us grasp today again uh, what it is that you'd like to say to us and give us the clarity and the faith to put it into practice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, John 19, 31 to 42. Now it was a day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Yesterday we read Mark's account of Good Friday, uh, made good for us, of course, by Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. Crucifixion was a humiliating and excruciating way to die. 
death was public, visible for all to see. In fact, that was part of the strategy of Rome in order to subdue the people to the will of the empire. Death was also slow, achieved not by blood loss, but uh, by asphyxiation. There is historical evidence that the bodies of those condemned remained on crosses for days until they finally breathed their last. Breaking the legs of those on the cross would accelerate and ensure death. And John wrote that this was done to the two criminals next to Jesus. However, Jesus' legs didn't need to be broken because the soldiers saw that he was already dead, as evidenced by the blood and water mixture that flowed from his heart and out of his side when he was pierced by a Roman soldier. John wrote that the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies to be left on the crosses during their Sabbath. I find it interesting that two of their own, Joseph and Nicodemus, took ownership of Jesus' body and gave him a proper burial in accordance with their customs. The actions of these men couldn't have been more stunning. Both were members of the Jewish ruling council in Jerusalem. We can read of Joseph in Luke chapter 23 and Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Remember, that religious council was the group that had condemned Jesus to death. These men whose social status would equate to uh, an all-in-one professor, pastor, and politician today cared for the man their own people considered a criminal and an enemy of God. They should have had nothing to do with Jesus, yet they disregarded public opinion and handled his dead body with the honor that was due a king. The question for me is why? What happened to these men? The first season of The Chosen does a great job, in my opinion, of capturing Nicodemus's struggle to put his faith in Jesus. The way that the show tells his story suggests that he was more than just interested in Jesus early on in his ministry, but he actually believed that Jesus was the Messiah, or at least that he wanted badly to believe. The problem for Nicodemus was that following Jesus, the the true mark of belief, would have cost him everything that he had become in life. There's an especially poignant scene for me in which Jesus and his small band of disciples at the time are collecting their belongings and getting ready to leave town for the next leg of his ministry. Jesus uh, previously had invited Nicodemus to join them in this moment, and he's seen making his way to the meeting point, clearly burdened by his thoughts and emotions and the tension of whether or not to trust the future to Jesus. In the end, he is unable to do it. The camera shows him weeping just around the corner from where Jesus and the disciples are standing. You were so close, Jesus said quietly, and then they leave. I don't know much about Joseph of Arimathea, but I categorize him along with Nicodemus for the purposes of reflecting on this passage. 
So again, what happened to these men that made them give up everything they had become in order to so deeply identify with Jesus, to take care of his bloodied, broken, lifeless body? I made this statement yesterday in our devotional that there is no neutrality with Jesus. You either believe in him or you don't. Either accept him as Lord and Savior or you don't. You either want more of him or less of him. Indifference with Jesus is still a decision. I do believe that, and I do believe that that decision uh, has to be made by each of us, and that our decision will impact our earthly lives right now and our spiritual lives for all of eternity. It's impossible for me to undervalue or uh, underemphasize the importance of that decision. And yet I also believe that God is infinitely gracious. He gives us more opportunities to make a decision about Jesus than we need, and certainly more than we deserve. Jesus has gone to the cross. It's historical fact. He's the most written about figure in human history. In America, it seems to me to be nearly impossible to be completely unfamiliar with the name Jesus and to at least have a rough idea of who he was. And this was the same exact position that Joseph and Nicodemus found themselves that day. Whatever it was about what they had seen in Jesus during his final hours, these men had been changed. Maybe it was the, the way that he never resisted through it all. Maybe it was the, the scripture that he fulfilled on the cross, scripture that they would have had memorized. The, maybe it was the tenderness that he used toward his mom while he was on the cross. The, the fact that the sky went black when he died or that the temple curtain dividing the, the people from the Holy of Holies, the, the place where the Jews God res, believed that God resided, was torn in two from top to bottom, as if God himself had reached down from heaven and ripped open the barrier between his people and his constant presence. It could have been any number of things. The, the point is that they finally believed and they proved it by acting on their belief. At one time, they had feared judgment and, and everything that they might lose for associating with Jesus. In this moment, however, their love for him was bigger than their reputation. I think we should find great encouragement and hope in the account of these two men. I think we see this grace of God that never runs out. He's always oriented toward us and always reaching out to us, inviting us to believe in Jesus and to be adopted into his family. Now, I should be clear that even though his grace never runs out, it's possible for us to deny it for our entire lives. In the end, as I've said before, we must choose to receive it and live in it. And we can do that today. We stand with Joseph and Nicodemus, having been given another chance to die to our old ways of living and to begin a new life marked by identifying with Jesus. And as we end our time together, let's take 
some time today to consider where we're at with our belief in Jesus and our association with him. I especially encourage you to not brush off this consideration if you're a follower of Jesus, because there is no end to how close you can be to him, to, to how, how deep you can go with him and how committed to his mission you can be. I'm going to offer you three pairs of questions to get you started. So just go ahead and pick one of those pairs that most jumps out to you and then spend some time reflecting on them. The first pair deals with association. And the questions are, to what degree are you eager to publicly associate with Jesus? And where in your life is it costing you to associate with him? For the next pair, it's important to understand that following Jesus means increasingly identifying him as your Lord and Savior. Is there an area of your life where you tend to shrink back from identifying him in these ways? And if so, how might you grow in boldness to do so? Lastly, remember this. In Christ, God offers us grace to change. Where do you want to be closer to Jesus? And what would it look like for you to accept his grace to change. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess that we often love ourselves and the opinion of others more than we love you. We ask for your forgiveness, Father. Uh, we believe that you forgiveness because of the truth of the cross. And we ask you to change us accordingly um, in response to your mercy and grace. Draw near to us as we turn back to you and honor you as Lord and lead us to faithful service in your kingdom. We ask it all with confidence in the character and identity of Jesus. Amen.